Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Podcast. I'm Jordan Holzer, proudly part of the Believe Podcast Network. And each episode will be covering 90s, 2000s, film, TV, and pop culture. I'm not alone. Each episode, I'll be having on special guests to help me relive my childhood. Thank you to Weedis for the intro music. We've been recapping some pretty big movies from the Mighty Ducks franchise to the Sandlot, the Hocus Pocus. But every now and then, we have to do one for us. And similar to Blank Check, This episode is definitely one for us. I'm talking about the 1996 classic, The Paper Brigade. This was just one of my all-time favorites. For this one, we had to bring on a very special guest to help me break it down. Not, Not Big Al, but maybe someone related to Big Al. This was one of the last Disney Channel premiere films until the DCOMs officially started in 1997 with Under Wraps. Next week, we'll be joined by one of the stars of the film, Kylie Cochran, who of course plays Allison Robbins. This was her first acting role, so we get into all of that, taking her back down memory lane. It was a great interview. I hope you'll stick around for that next week. Also, we're thinking maybe of posting the guest episodes on YouTube for maybe a little bit more immersive experience. I know you don't want to see my face necessarily. This is this is a face for, for podcasting, to be honest. But maybe if you do want to see the guests. So we're, we're, we're thinking about maybe switching it up a little bit here at The Relunchables. So as always, feel free to reach out to us at therelunchables at gmail.com with any feedback, suggestions for films, or guests that you would like to have on. But now, let's get into our recap of The Paper Brigade. Ugh, I stepped in some Gunther. What has 10 wheels, five good arms, and is America's original on-ramp to the information superhighway? The Paper Brigade. Let's ride, boys. They deliver the goods in spite of deranged neighbors. Now it's time for the heavy artillery. Killer geese. A hail of rotten vegetables and a car full of rotten teenagers. The Paper Brigade. Kyle Howard. I came, I saw, I conquered. And as every paper boy's worst nightmare, Robert England. Gunther and the Paper Brigade, the -the off-the-roof comedy that always lands on your stoop. All right. So let's kick things off, the Paper Brigade, uh, one of of my absolute favorites. And and joining us here is not Big Al, but Big Al's brother, Matt. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables podcast. No problem. You know, I'm a pretty good replacement for Big Al. Taught him (laughs) basically everything I know. You know, showed them all the Disney Channel original movies. So you're hearing you're hearing the better opinion, right? The more mature opinion right now. Was your relationship more like a, a Gunther and Andrew? Were you were you the Gunther in that uh, situation there, or you know, was that not the dynamic in your household? 
uh, you know, I, I don't want to label myself a Gunther. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't want to take that label, but uh, being a Gunther. You know, maybe a little more collaborative, a little less uh, exploitative, I'd say, mm. than, than Gunther and his brother, but similar, similar relationship. Yeah, no, we see this all the time in these movies is the moving dynamic. I understand, you know, you and your brothers moved around a little bit as a kid. I, I moved around a ton as a kid. So this is a common trope that we see through a lot of these Disney movies. Um, but just going into it preliminary, um, you know, I'm curious, you know, did you or your brother have any experience with a paper route or anything like that growing up? No, I I remember watching this as a kid and just thinking, uh, I, I wish I could have a job. I mean... <laughs> I, I think it gets to the scene where they talk about like, oh, did you, did you get any tips? And he's like, tips, what tips? And then he starts realizing the money he can make. And I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. This, yeah. this is what I need to do. There is no paper routes where I grew up <laughs> in, in South Florida with the humidity. You don't want to be riding your bike and no, it, it, it would be awful. So unfortunately no, no paper route experience. Yeah. Yeah. Same for me. Uh, in any place I live, South Florida, California, New York. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it just seems to always be the, you know, somebody in a car just throwing the papers like Chad and his bullies do, you know, never seemed to be the classic kid on the bike. Let's, let's jump right into it here. I just want to give some background information on the movie. The paper brigade has a runtime of an hour and 30 minutes directed by Blair true and written by Denise rice, only film she's ever written, which I'm so I'm shocked. This was a, you know, a staple nineties classic. I'm shocked that she didn't get any more writing offers after this movie. Maybe, maybe not. Um, what else? The Pair Brigade has a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 68% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, no critic score. It was released on September 25th, 1996, about 26 years old. And I don't know who has the rights to this movie anymore because I can only find it on YouTube. Did you watch it on YouTube as well? So, you know, my first instinct was to load up Disney Plus and look for it. And uh, I, I ran into the same issue where I'm assuming it was a Disney Channel original movie because... You know, the frequency it came on as a kid on Disney Channel, I was like, oh, well, I assumed I also couldn't find it, found it on YouTube. Someone said that the uh, I, I guess the rights shifted from HBO to Disney. And yeah. according to the YouTube uh, video, that 20 minutes of content was cut out <laughs> on TV. And I, I couldn't figure out what 20 minutes were cut out when I was watching yeah. it on YouTube. So I was like, there was nothing there. I that felt new. But uh, yeah, it Interesting, interesting. Uh, not a Disney Channel original movie, I guess. No, it's not. It was part of that uh, kind of original run that they did before they started labeling them Disney Channel original movies, similar to movies like H.E. Double Hockey Sticks, Tower of Terror, these movies that they kind of released under the wonderful world of Disney umbrella, but not technically uh, so-and-so decom. You know, it's, I don't know. I still lump it in, but I wonder if people really have a resonance to this movie. I know it holds a special place in your heart and your brother and mine, but I feel like this is not, unless you were of a certain age, this didn't have the necessarily, I don't know, prestige of, you know, the high school musicals and the Brinks and some of the movies that came a little bit after it, but I'm glad, you know, I don't know how many, I don't know what the audience for this episode is going to be. This is a deep cut considering we're coming off of like Hocus Pocus <laughs> and the Sandlot. People are going to be like, what the fuck is the paper brigade? But I think for a certain viewer, this is a movie that, you know, maybe defines their childhood. It's, it's, it's funny, you know, when the, when the YouTube video was over and it auto played to the next one, I was like, oh, it's H-E double hockey sticks. I was <laughs> yeah. like, wow, I can't believe it didn't get taken down by Disney. And there, now that makes sense. Another one that just wasn't an original movie. I, 
I like these more obscure ones. Uh, one, one that comes to mind is Airborne. Have you seen Airborne? Oh, yeah. Classic, that, yeah. Another one that I thought uh, I thought was a Disney Channel original movie, but yeah, these uh, they deserve their time in the spotlight. So this is a this is a deserving movie for this podcast, I think. A hundred percent. And I think you absolutely nailed what I was going to say, which is H-double hockey sticks being cued right up. The YouTube algorithm at work there, you know, really feeding you what you want. It, <laughs> right after yeah, I, maybe if I kept going, I would have gotten to Airborne and, you know, some other obscure movies. But uh, so yeah. let, let's jump into our uh, random Internet review of the week. And, you know, I love reading these. And, and this comes from Yaki Soba on IMDb. And uh, you have to tell me what you think of this review. So this one says. This is one of the stupidest movies ever made. If you plan to view it seriously, I urge you not to watch it. If, however, you watch it solely for the entertainment value of its unintentionally hilarity, it may be worth watching once, maybe. There is hardly a single redeeming aspect of the film, except maybe the female character. There really is only one female character, except for the mother, who hardly counts as a character at all because she has no lines. And the character that they do show you is only there because she's hot. Though the fact that she ends up with Gunther at the end of the movie diminishes the fact somewhat, she should have stuck with his little brother, Andrew. Other than that, the film is a disaster. The script is pandering, insane, cliche-ridden, and occasionally so mind-boggling stupid that you begin to wonder what the screenwriter was smoking when he or she wrote it. The acting is terrible, though the actors, to their credit, aren't exactly given a whole lot to work with. The music and cinematography are bland and unmemorable. The editing is competent, I guess. When the best thing you could say about the movie that the editing is competent, you know something's wrong. I love that this guy took the time to kind of go through all the aspects of the movie and compliment the editing as the only redeeming aspect of this. What I, I know you didn't write this review. Uh, big disagree with this review. <laughs> I, I'm sure we're going to dive into it, but yeah. to say the only redeeming factor was the female character. Uh, uh, I mean, character is fine. The actress, though. Uh, little stiff, little yeah. stiff. I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, does not hold up. And come on, what about the uh, the old baseball lady? Does that not count as a strong female <laughs> character? Kind of the heart of the story, if you will. Uh, really, really. I think uh, Yaki Sobi <laughs> should uh do a little rewatch. Right, give it one more try. Maybe pay a little bit more attention to the story. Uh, wonderful editing, though. I mean, wonderful, wonderful, be- beautifully editing. edited. If I have yes. to say. So. Yes, it's a it's a clean hour and a half edited version on YouTube. Yes. Uh, let's get into uh, how would you describe I'll turn over to you for a very brief, very brief synopsis of the paper brigade. If you had to sum up the movie in 30 seconds. I mean, classic, classic hero's journey. All right. You have Gunther, your main character. He's uh, he's spoiled. He's lazy. He's entitled. And overall, he's 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 selfish. Right. Yeah. And. Paper Brigade goes through kind of his journey to adulthood in an hour and 30 minutes. He takes on the responsibility of a job, you know, learns work ethic, you know, learns kind of the the true value in a hard day's work. And in the end, he forsakes kind of his own desires to to help others. It's it's a pretty heartwarming story about growing up and uh you got a, an eclectic cast of characters, as as we'll probably talk about, and yeah, uh, it kind of brings a tear to the eye. To be honest, it's wow, it's, it's pr- pretty heartwarming. That was I don't know, I don't so know what Yaki Soba was watching. <laughs> I mean, 
this is one for the kids. This is one for my grandkids, to be honest. Yeah. I imagine, I imagine when you have kids, this has got to be one of the first movies you, you sit them down to, to watch. Right I after The wait. Lion King, right? It's The Lion King, then The Pirate Brigade. Yeah. I, I mean, if you got a, a one-two punch of Disney-ish <laughs> classics, uh, Lion King and this, is that's a good one. <laughs> it's funny because we just covered Blank Check, which is kind of the opposite, right? Blank Check is about this kid who finds a million bucks, doesn't work for it at all, spends all the money. And this is the opposite. This is somebody who actually puts in the work and the value of a hard day's work and, you know, doing a nine to five job in a sense, and even though it's early in the morning. But I don't know. I, I like the juxtaposition of those of those two movies and two very different experiences. I think all kids at one point or another could just re- relate to the sense of wish fulfillment of having that million dollar check in their hands. But not many kids, I feel like, could resonate with the message of, you know what, you're going to get a summer job or you're going to have to work after school or do something else to help maybe support your family or just put some extra money in your pocket. And I don't know, I think this was an important movie to teach that lesson to kids like, hey, you know, there's something to be gained there. And and I think I was talking to Alex, he had jobs as a kid and and so did I. And I think that really develops a sense of, you know, of hard work at a young age. Well, and, you know, for Gunther, I think the initial motivation is money, right? I remember when I got my job, that first paycheck was like, oh, this is it. This this is this opens up a whole new world. Um, And of course, for him, the money was important. But as as we see, he. uh, he comes to care about his his friends, his job, the business. You know, he has yeah. to protect it, protect it from some uh, some bullies who are looking to take over. You know, kind of push him out. Yeah. You see how lucrative it gets because of his. You know, honestly, the 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 hard work he puts in is pretty pretty lucrative, and you gotta you gotta defend defend your turf. So yeah, it's. Not something I had to do when I worked at Target at 16 years old. You know, I just kind of went in and made pizzas, but you know, it's a movie. So yeah, got to str- stretch our, uh, you know, believability here a little bit. But but I imagine if some bully said, hey, that pizza business at Target looks pretty lucrative. You're not going to work tomorrow. I'm taking your spot. I think you would have stepped up and been like, hey, that's my corner. Get out oh, of here. I would have said, good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Enjoy cleaning up uh, kids, spilling Slurpees and <laughs> popcorn all over the floor. You know, it's, uh, it's it's not easy. It's not easy. And I think uh, I think the bullies realize that in the end. But yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. get into it. <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah. Let's get right into uh, some of the most rewatchable scenes here. And I want to start with the the opening scene of the movie, which commonly for me is is one of the most rewatchable. And and I love how this one opens in the sense because. It juxtaposes the kids on the bikes. We haven't met them yet, delivering papers. And we see, okay, let's title the movie Paper Brigade. But then we get an introduction to the to the Wheeler family in the car, you know, moving, a, a common trope we see. And, you know, introduction to Gunther. I love the introduction to him because he's got like this tie-dye shirt with like this smiley face on it, very reminiscent of a, of a 90s shirt. He's got the sunglasses on. He's got the, the Walkman. You know, the dad, of course, asks Gunther if he if he locked the back door of the U-Haul and Gunther, typical fashion for him, like, oh, yeah, of course, dad. And then stuff starts flying out the truck. It's just, I don't know, a great introduction to the dynamic of the family and also to, to where we're going with the with the paper brigade. I I love the introduction of Gunther. As soon as he hits the screen, there's like this guitar bass riff playing. It was like the most 90s. And he's supposed to. I, you know, I feel like in, in movies, kids' movies, kind of the main character is usually like a loser and you kind of yeah. feel bad for him, but they were kind of trying to portray Gunther as like really cool. 
does not really translate to t- today, you know, <laughs> glasses, a tie dye shirt wasn't doing it for me, but you know, they try to signal that with the music. So I'm like, okay, all right. He's kind of a, you know, uh, a rebel, if you will, yeah. not closing the U-Haul door, you know, or maybe just a lazy <laughs> uh, piece of trash. I don't know. But um, yeah, uh, I, I think the, the opening scene is interesting, you know, it kind of shows the complexity of the movie, right? The, the foreshadowing, you know, you're seeing, oh, this is the paper route that he's going to be going on. You know, he's going to be taking over this job and it looks nice and easy. And uh, I think, I think it's, it, it lays some good breadcrumbs for what, what, what comes later. You know, a, yeah. a lot of good storytelling happening in that opening scene. Oh yeah. Like Gunther in this movie reminds me a lot of, of Will Friedle. you know, it reminds me a lot of him in, in Boy Meets World, but particularly my date with the president's daughter, like that self-confidence from the jump. Like, as you mentioned, like, it seems like most character studies, you know, they build over time Maybe they start as a loser and they grow into popularity or they grow into themselves. But like that amount of self-confidence right off the bat immediately draws you to him as the viewer. Like you are just like, okay, like anyone who is exuding that much confidence, I'm in, I'm in, I'm on his journey with him. And that hair, oh. very popular hair in the nineties. Very. He's popular. rocking that haircut. The brother's rocking that haircut. <laughs> yeah. Same haircut for both of them. You know, c- classic nineties, uh, get your two kids, the same bowl, <laughs> bowl haircut t- type of thing going on. I think we and, all had the ball haircut. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never had it that long. You know, it's, uh, you know, a little bold how long he was going with it, but yeah, he's, he's, He's not a hard bully, I would say, but instead of growing from kind of the loser to the cool kid, he's kind of the cool kid learning how to be a bit more of a loser throughout the movie, which is a, yeah. it's an interesting flip on, on that dynamic, like you said. No, that's a great point. Uh, I want to turn over to you and ask you what it was, I guess, your next most rewatchable scene of this movie. I have, I, have a, I have a bunch on my list, but we may have some overlap here. I mean, it's, it's kind of the, the turning point of the movie, right? Like, Gunther's been doing this job and he's been doing a, a pretty, pretty terrible job at it. Yeah. And one morning it kicks off, his alarm goes off and this time he's, he's up, he's ready to go. And it's kind of his, like, I can do this moment. And, you know, throughout the movie, as, as he, you know, is going on this paper route, he's basically just, just getting the shit beaten out of him. You know, people are throwing fruit at him, ducks are chasing him, go- geese. And this, this they're is trying finally, to kill. They're trying right, to yeah, kill those geese. Yeah, they're trained to kill. And uh, you know, this morning he wakes up and he's he's ready. He puts on his his battle armor and he goes in there. And I remember just thinking, like, oh man, like what a what a call to action. You know, what a uplifting moment where he finally overcomes and and ultimately he he gets paid. Right, he starts doing a good job. Starts taking it seriously. And you know, it's kind of the it's it's not the climax of the movie you know technically but it's it's the turning point right yeah yeah i think there's you know that's a great point that's a great point that was definitely one of my most rewatchable scenes i just want to point out two quick ones before that one which is the 5 30 a.m alarm clock that he that he asked to set and of course gunther does not wake up and it's and it's up to andrew who of course gets awakened by gunther's alarm clock to try to wake him up to get him ready for work, which is actually very nice of him as a younger brother. Cause you can imagine he's like, ah, fuck Gunther, let him sleep through his alarm and miss the route. But instead he, you know, takes it upon himself to put him in some, some roller blades, somehow get him into the shower. And then of course, you know, turn on the cold water. And I love that. It's just like a, 
very 90s Disney thing where, of course, you hear Gunther's loud scream that wakes up the entire neighborhood. Lights are going on. Then, then there's this like gopher right out of Caddyshack that kind of wakes up and like pops out and then goes back in the hole. But I don't know. I love that scene and all the elaborate tricks that the Andrew does in terms of getting the hose through the window once Gunther locks the door. All that stuff with the alarm. But as you mentioned, it really pays off when Andrew goes into the room and Gunther's already gone. He's already gone for the day because he's ready. But I love that uh, that setup there with the alarm clock. And the the repetition really worked too, right? Like every morning it escalated. Like he said, you know, he locks the door. He's got to come up with some more creative ways to get Gunther out of bed. And, and it really sets up that payoff of yep. all the alarms going off. Gunther, get, get up. It's like, oh shit, Gunther's gone he's 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 already out there and uh, i think another scene real quick which <laughs> i i'd forgotten about it it's it's such a it's such a small scene but i remember being so impressed by it as a kid it's when you know gunther is bored and he's laying in bed and he puts these ping pong balls in his mouth yeah. and he's you know i know it's a movie and you can <laughs> edit together whatever you want but i remember thinking as a kid like wow He's like spitting ping pong balls up, up into his lamp. And I was like, that's so impressive. And I watched it now as an adult. And I just thought, how did they know he could fit two ping pong balls in his mouth? Like, did he tell them he had that kind of talent? Like, was it this weird scene they added in later? Because it has no relevance to the story. I mean, it's just kind all. of a part of the montage of him being bored. Uh, and all right. Uh, speaking of him being bored, one more. There's a lot of favorite scenes. <laughs> there is here, a lot. There's but a lot. Yeah. When, you know when they finally move into town and his dad and his brother are, are unpacking uh, Gunther's just sitting there flipping through the TV channels. This is one of mine. This is one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Every channel. It's just horses on TV and they're not like, they're in kind of a small town, but they're not in like a, the mid, they could be in the Midwest, but they're not in the middle of nowhere. And so <laughs> it's, it's absurd that every channel is just horses, just kind of, you know, I don't know. Being horses. Hor yeah. Just being horses on TV. Every time he flips the channel, they're just like, neighing or whatever horses do and uh he he has i know this, this might be a future question but he has one of my favorite lines uh of, of the whole movie the dad's like oh gunther do you want to help and he's like oh man i'm trying to remember exactly what he says he's like uh my back you know I how would. my back is and it's like <laughs> what a what a shitty teenager like such a such a sarcastic reply like as if this I don't know, 13 year old kid has got back problems or whatever. So <laughs> classic, perfect scene, in my opinion, lots of, you know, when you watch these, these movies from the nineties that are definitely for kids, uh, you know, there's a lot of slapstick comedy, a lot of over the top stuff, but I, I thought that the comedy was actually really subtle in the beginning yeah. and it was really like the horses, like, Oh my God. Like how many times was he going to flip the channel and find more horses? <laughs> like it was good. And, and the whole, Oh dad, you know, how my back is just, Clever lines, you know. Uh, don't know why this writer never got another movie, but there's there's some gems in here and some quality quality writing in here. You know, we must be on the same wavelength because that horses scene, I think that's my favorite in the movie, honestly. Like that was the one that literally made me laugh out loud. Like it looks like they're just all part of the same program almost, but they're different channels. Like it's just incredible. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Well, enough about the horses. We've talked about the horses enough, but uh, what else do I have here? I just kind of want to go through that, that first day that Gunther takes the paper route. Um, and of course, you know, I just want to kind of go through all the different obstacles that he has that day. And I, I, I'm just going to turn it on you and ask you, you know, which is your favorite out of these. So, the, you know, the first is just 
but I think they do very well is that they show you just the dynamics of actually having a paper route and even just throwing the paper, which I think people take for granted how hard of a skill that is. Like, I think people just assume, oh, just throw it on, you know, the front porch or whatever. But it shows that Gunther during his first day is throwing it everywhere. I think the first one, he hits like the top of the roof, but it accidentally falls perfectly outside the door. So he got lucky on that one, but then he throws it at someone as they're getting ready to leave. He's breaking windows, breaking things. Like, I think that was just really, I don't know. It was really nice to see that they show that because I don't think a lot of movies that would have covered this would have. And then of course we have the, the tree house kids, which are, which are my favorite. I always wanted that tree house that they have in the cul-de-sac, uh, the yappy dog, which he thinks is just this little yappy dog who ends up waking up the bigger dog who comes and chases him and takes a bite out of his shirt mm-hmm. every day. Of course, crazy man, Cooper, incredible, incredible, the paintball geese, and then, uh, you know, of course, the last house is, is his crush, Allison's. But out of all the obstacles that he has, which one is your favorite to rewatch? I don't know. I, I don't know if you would consider this an obstacle. And it might not be on his on his first paper route. But the guy who's avoiding paying oh for his paper. I'm that's, glad you brought him up. Yeah. That's, 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 that's one of my favorites. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that he can't deliver the paper, but he's just not getting paid for it. And, you know, they... I think, yeah, the repetition in this movie is really good, right? Like the number of times you see Gunther go through the paper route and, you know, just kind of the frustration as, as these different obstacles build. And that's one I think has a, has a good payoff in the end. Like I, I like how he, uh, you know, the day where he's ready, you know, the, the guy sneaks out of his house and he's like, gets in his car and he's like, I made it away. But Gunther was just waiting in the car. And I was like, oh, piece of shit. Like, <laughs> He, he, need, he needs his money, it. you know, like he needs yeah. to go to the screaming Banshee concert and <laughs> win the girl and like get his prize. And uh, this guy's not paying up, no. but you know, like the, the kids are interesting, right? Like, you know, there's also the scene where, you know, he puts on the, the trash can lid as a shield and puts on the body armor. And, you know, there, there's a shot where the kids are grabbing some fruit and it's like this, five gallon basket of like cherries. I'm like, where are they like, who's paying for all this fruit that they're just wasting? Like un- unbelievable, such a nineties movie. And yeah, such a huge, like that was a enormous treehouse. like not. Oh my God. And the fact wow. that it wasn't in anyone's yard from what I could tell, it's kind of in the middle of the street, like HOA, man, they would never allow that nowadays, you know? Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. I mean, the only treehouse that reminds me of is actually in an animated show codenamed kids next door in that treehouse. I don't know if you're familiar with that show. Mm-hmm. But that was sort of like a larger than life treehouse that was like, oh my God, this is the actual live action version of that treehouse in a sense. Like it was just insane. Just the binoculars they had, the retractable ladder that comes down, like unbelievable, unbelievable set design. I, I just wonder, uh, you know, if you were like a producer on this movie, you got to figure out the treehouse budget. Someone's got to build it. You got to get some uh, carpenters Yeah, for like three scenes. You know, it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's a lot of dedication for this movie. Don't sleep 100%. on Paper Brigade, people. This one, <laughs> a lot of effort went into this, right? A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Someone <laughs> had to build that treehouse. And I love that you brought up uh, our good friend, Mr. Littman, who I don't think has a line in this movie, who avoids, of course, paying Gunther <laughs> the bill for his for the paper. Just incredible. Why he couldn't just stay in his house? Why he has to go into the car? If he didn't want to answer the door, he just stay in the house. Why does he have to get in the car and sneak out? It's a slime ball. Total slime ball. I mean, he's probably got things to do, right? You know, yeah. he can't can't be hiding all day. But uh, 
didn't have to say a word. His character, mm-hmm. it came across visually. You hated him, right? And they cast so, him perfectly. Just the face and everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wonder what his IMDb looks like. I wonder how, you know, what that guy's uh, history is. <laughs> I, I don't know it, but yeah. yeah, what a guy. What a great actor. <laughs> The last scene I had is just the uh, the sabotage on the bullies when they take over the paper route. And I just, uh, I love how they kind of destroy each of them separately and then bring them all together. And of course, destroy them at, at Crazy Man Cooper's. But the the siphoning, the gas, so the bullies can't take their car and they have to take these like little kids bikes, which is just a really funny scene. You know, they destroy one of the bullies at the treehouse where they go way overboard on this one guy. They obviously pelt him with the fruit. Then he tries to climb up. They shut the ladder down. So he falls six feet on the ground and they pour him with, I don't even know what that green stuff was that they just pour all over him. And then of course, Andrew gets the ants from his ant farm and his bike. Oh, they destroy this one bully. I felt, I felt super bad for him. And then the second bully gets destroyed by the dog who they let off the leash and then, of course, everything that ensues at a uh, crazy man Cooper's house. But what do you think of that final sabotage scene? Uh, when it hits Cooper's house, you know, I was thinking, you know, it's it's a 90s movie for kids, right? Like, it's not it's not about violence, you know, like, yeah, these bullies, you know, they've been kind of violent the whole movie. But, you know, it's the heroes are going to win in a creative way. But no, 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 like Gunther gets a punch in. I was like, oh, oh yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Like. <laughs> Through the sheet, just through the sheet, right in the face, and I love the setup with like the fake Gunther, you know, yeah, hiding it, yeah, yeah hi, hi, like kind of the shadow puppet behind the sheets, and uh, you know, that scene just it was gratifying. Yeah, the other bullies, you know, they uh, one of them got some like, I guess implied goose, like a bucket of goose shit, kind of poured onto him. Yeah. Another one got dumped into like a pit of water, you know, and yeah. uh, that's cool. But watching. Watching that punch, oh man, like it's it's still great to this day. Like very gratifying, and you know, uh, Crazy Man Cooper, Robert Englund. I I don't know why why he took this role. You know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with him. It's uh, I mean, Fred Freddie from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, like I I saw his name in the opening because I didn't know who he was as a kid. Yeah, and I saw his name in the opening credits. I'm like, oh shit, Freddie. You know, he's helping the kids. He's not, you know, slicing them up. And, <laughs> but but up. he's kind of crazy, you know, and he's got like his sword at the end. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I wonder if there's kind of some little bit of hinting. This could be a Freddy's, you know, life before becoming a serial killer. But oh, I like that. A little prequel action going on here. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe a little hint, a little hint. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. We had on Kylie Cochran, who plays Allison in the movie. She's coming on next week on the podcast. I don't want to spoil too much of that interview, but she did mention that all the kids on set were petrified of him because they're working with Freddy Krueger. Like all the kids didn't want to talk to him. Like they were very scared to, to interact with him. And then they found out he's like the nicest guy in the world, but they just talked about the initial reaction to meeting him and they were like scared. They were absolutely petrified, which I probably would be too, if that's all you know him from. Well, it's funny because he looks, he, he's a friendly looking old man in the movie, yeah. right? Like he doesn't look like Freddy, you know, he obviously doesn't have yeah. all the makeup and stuff on, but, uh, there's a there's a, a shot at the very end you know after they defeat the bullies and him and gunther are looking at each other and you know they they give each other the military salute gunther gives them the peace sign i i i remember you know there's just just the acting like he kind of looks down puts up the peace sign and he's kind of like you know bridging the generational gap you know like this yeah. crazy 
World War veteran and this piece of shit Gunther just really bonding at the end. And I thought, oh, Robert Englund, underrated actor. You know, just the way he emoted the little wink. I was like, ah, really pulled the movie together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably some PTSD going on with him and why he's kind of created this maybe alternate reality for himself. Maybe a little sad if you if you think about it that way, but 100%. Yeah, their interactions. It, it, it makes you wonder, you know, if we go back to that opening scene, like you said, where uh, you see the kid going around the paper route, you know, the the one who gives the route over to, to Gunther. Yeah. Don't you wonder, like, what, what did that guy put up with? Is he doing military drills with uh crazy man cooper every day like you know how, how did he get through all these obstacles that's a great point i was you know it was an unanswerable question for me later on and we could talk about it here since you brought it up which was what was on that piece of paper that he gave to gunther that gunther just completely disregarded and threw into the sewer what was on that to kind of navigate through all the different obstacles right it probably was just not to go through crazy man cooper's yard and take that long route as the paper as the milkman suggests right it probably was not even to interact with him but I'm curious, what do you think was on that note to deal with all these different people? Or was it ex- exactly what Gunther came up with at the end? I, I don't think it's what Gunther came up with. I think they really wanted to show Gunther's style in his solutions, right? Like the way he approached things was very him. What that other kid did, I don't know. I, there are some things where I think, you know, uh, they could be similar, right? Like uh, the dog stuff and like, you know, how to, how to catch uh, Mr. Lipman and all that kind of stuff. But I, I didn't see him wearing any body armor, you know, that didn't really fit his character. So I'm, I'm curious what, what could have been on that paper? I think, I think bribery had a point, you know, maybe he mm. paid off the kids. Yeah. Right. Maybe he, yeah. uh, I don't know, paid off uh crazy man, Cooper. Who knows? Yeah. Cause they, they keep talking about how lucrative and you know, how you get these tips on, on this paper route. You can make a lot of money. Maybe uh, maybe he paid his way through the obstacles. I don't know. Hmm. Someone yeah, had to, someone point. had to fund that treehouse. All right, it, it was really big. Who knows how many expansions they went through? Oh yeah, Pro- oh, probably yeah. skimming off the top of this paper route. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move into our next category here, which is what is aged the best. And the first one I had is is the treehouse. Obviously, we've talked a lot about the treehouse, but I think it's still aged well. And I think any kid today would love to have a treehouse like that. Um, my next one is. The ticket in the napkin holder trick that Gunther pulls with Allison. Hey, this one also needs uh, restocking. And then, of course, she's like screaming banshees. They rock, you know, <laughs> just a, a great move. I think if you use that move today, Matt, you know, with potential date or whatever it may be, put the ticket in the napkin holder. I think it works every time. You know, uh, that, that was very close to my heart. You know, it's kind of a trolley approach to asking a girl out, right? The surprise, you know, like, oh, what's this? You know, I I do have a girlfriend currently, and you know, we're thinking about marriage, and so maybe I'll try to find some napkin holders to put the ring in. Ooh, I don't know. Put the ring in it's, the napkin it's, holder. It's a good. It's it's a big surprise, you know. I'll probably have to, you know, go to a few restaurants, right, and like you know, make it seem like oh, it's just a restaurant, you know, just just yeah. napkins. But then one day we'll go to some restaurant, and there'll be something in the napkin holder. You know, ch- it'll change our lives. It's a it's a good one. I like it. Maybe just a concert, though. Maybe not an engagement ring, but, you know. We'll yeah, see. just put a, we'll put a ticket to the Screaming Banshees in there. I'm sure your girlfriend will love that, you know. Screaming Banshees. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I'm assuming they weren't real because I've not never real. heard of them. Great not name. real. Great but, name. But they sound like Smashing Pumpkins. Or, yeah. you know, it sounds like a 90s band that could have existed, you know, like yeah. 
I believed it. I believed it. It felt authentic. Well, that was one of my other unanswerable questions is what kind of band were they? Like, were, I, I didn't think they were more like a Slipknot type of band. You know, I don't know with that name, though. You, you never know for sure. But, you know, maybe they were more like a Creed. I, you know, I, I don't know. You, you know, you say Smashing Pumpkins, which actually sounds maybe right on point. But any other, uh, you know, types of bands or genres that you think they could have been? Well, I, I'm thinking of band names that go with that, like, uh, you know, adjective noun or, or more yeah. of an adverb, like screaming, uh, you know, counting crows. Mm. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's another one. Potential similarity there. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I can't think of anything else. I'm I mean, thinking those are good. Based, based on his like his attire, his long baggy shirt, he's kind of a grunge looking kid, maybe yeah. Nirvana, maybe some Pearl Jam in there, too. Hard to say, hard to say, but. That'd be that'd be my guess. Uh, the only last one I had, which is I think aged well, even in our last movie, Blank Check, which is just the scene of, of Gunther throwing the money in the air on his bed. It's the almost exact scene that we see in Blank Check. And I think this is just a common thing that movies put in there for young kids. I think it's the wish fulfillment going back to that of, you know, I think everyone had that. Maybe, maybe you didn't, but having that sense of what would happen if I had all this money in cash and I could just throw it in the air all over my room. Of course, I'm gonna have to go pick it up later, but just that, just that fun of having that, uh, that lettuce. I mean, as an adult now with a job, you know, with a salary, yeah. I I've never taken, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I've never taken the time to hit up an ATM, just grab a ton of money, yeah. lay down in bed and just throw it all over myself. It feels like an opportunity missed. Like I should have done that at some point. I mean, it's never too late, never too late, but, uh, you know, money's it's pretty filthy. I don't know if I want it on my sheets, on my pillowcase, but uh, yeah. I, I see, I see why it's like the Scrooge McDuck jumping into the pool of you know gold coins or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, it's you know, money has has like a an appeal. There's like a romantic quality to the to the dollar bills, you know. And there's a well, I I wouldn't put this as uh, a scene that is aged well, but you know when he finally gets the money. And he goes and he pays off the bullies. There's this, this shot where he's like, I don't know, like, a, I guess in like some kind of restaurant or like kind of diner looking thing. And he folds the money and he puts it in his pocket. He kind of, you know, breathes on his like fingernails and he kind of like yeah. walks away with his like handout. And all the girls are like, oh, Gunther. And I'm like, that, that didn't age very well. That's yeah. maybe it looked cool in the 90s, which I don't know. Was it meant to look cool or was it meant to look cringy? Because it was pretty cringy today in my opinion i mean it's a good time to go into what has aged the worst but before we do do you have any others that in your mind have aged the best uh well i wouldn't say a scene but i think the 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 message or the story really aged well and 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 i think it's relevant you know forever right that just selflessness right is, is is a great quality and you know gunther learned through hard work and effort and collaboration you know he learned to appreciate his brother you know he learned to appreciate the elderly i guess uh yeah you know he he really made everyone around him better you know and uh i think that is a message that stands the test of time i agree i agree Uh, let's move on to what is age of the worst and i think there's you know the obvious one of of a paper route right i don't know what what the equivalent now is for kids you know i know me growing up in part of my time in new york was you know, people going over and shoveling snow, right? That was a common thing. The group neighborhood kids got together and then, you know, they shoveled snow. Um, but a paper route, probably not happening anymore today with all people getting their papers online now and newyorktimes.com and, and so and so. But uh, the ant farm, 
you know, maybe this was also just played out in movies and TV shows. It reminded, it reminded me really of D3, the Mighty Ducks, the famous ant scene in that movie where they, you know, get the bullies on the varsity team. They get the line of ants going into their rooms. A great scene. But I don't know anyone growing up that had like an ant farm or had like pet ants that they took care of. Do you have any experience with this? But I don't think this is aged well. You know, I like the reference to Mighty Ducks. That's a that's a huge ant farm you know also taking advantage of the whole like tube you know uh tube thing going on which yeah you know andrew uses the hose not not really a tube but you know must have been a common thing you know back in the back in the 90s but no ant farm experience for me or my brother or my family uh we had snails once Mm. not quite an ant farm but kind of a bug thing you keep as a pet for about a week i don't know why we we collected all these snails and fed them lettuce but uh yeah it, I, I don't know i i'm not a kid today but i could see an ant farm still being appealing you know like uh yeah i mean ants aren't going anywhere kids you know need a first pet you know some kids are into science and nature as far as the paper route goes um i wonder you know there's like we 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 live in a i don't know more more industrial kind of place in, in in the country and i wonder if in the midwest and some of the flyover states or whatever in small towns if maybe people still get the paper maybe they still want the paper i mean everyone's got internet they don't need it but yeah. uh Something i know like that my, tangible paper my parents still have a paper that comes every week oh wow and it surprises me i think my dad likes the physical nature of looking through the you know, the advertisement, like the best buy advertisements and stuff, <laughs> Black Friday uh, catalogs yeah. and whatever. But yeah, it, it's I, I kind of feel that today in movies, when I hear a reference to like TikTok or, you know, like some kind of common social media or technology, I'm like, ah, oh, man, like, is that going to make sense in 20 years? Like, is anyone going to know what it's like? At least the the paper route makes sense, right? Like, even if you're a kid, you could look back on it like, oh, it's it's a job where you deliver newspapers to give people news, right? Yeah. But in 20 years, if TikTok's gone, kids gonna watch that movie and be like, what was a TikTok? It's like no context, no reference. Like, I mean, unless they make a TikTok, uh, like in the new Mighty Ducks TV show, which I was not a huge fan of. You know, they there's like a TikTok related I. episode, but yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know. Paper routes, maybe they'll make a comeback one day. Like everything else, vinyl cassette tapes you know maybe newspapers would be uh yeah could come back we don't know yeah but uh, you know you made a great point i think that's why this movie really doesn't feel dated right like i feel like all the references still hold up today you know it really makes it an easy movie to jump right into uh the next one has the walkie talkies which of course i had as a kid i know me and my friends use walkie talkies in our neighborhood uh, of course gunther uses it here I don't know if kids are using walkie-talkies today. Maybe they are. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. With the cell phone, everyone has it at such a young age. I don't think there is a need for a walkie-talkie. It's it's a shame, you know. Precursor to the walkie-talkie was maybe cups and strings, yeah. you know, like uh, talking to ones. I don't know if that actually did anything, but yeah. I always saw it in movies. And, you know, then you got walkie-talkies. And I thought those were, that was like the coolest thing ever. Oh. I mean, yeah. using them, it looks great on tv but i remember just being like oh two people push the button then just nothing works right yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you have to and that's why they have like the oh, over over and out you know like you're yeah. trying to communicate to the other person like hey i'm done talking but uh they never worked 
as cleanly as they did in the movies. You know, the mm. reception was never as good. The range was never <laughs> as good. Getting on the same frequency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe there's some industrial, you know, military grade walkie talkies out there. <laughs> I never had those as a kid, but yeah. it, it is a shame. Uh, you know, I wonder if they have a, a walkie talkie app on a phone, mm. which is pointless, right? Yeah. Where you just, it's basically just an open call with a mute button that you press to unmute. But, uh, you know, that, that could be our next billion dollar idea right there. Making kids yeah. a walkie talkie app. You never know. Like you said, it all comes back one day. Yeah. But you're right. I think there is something lost with kids today and having that feeling of, of the walkie talkie. I think it's really, I don't know. It's different than a phone. You know, it's just something that it's between you and that other person. It's just you two. And there's kind of the fun, the noises that it makes, you know, the fun thing of pressing the button. And I don't know. I think that's lost today, but I digress. Something uh, that also I think is really aged poorly is the, is the portrayal of the milkman. Oh, my goodness. I got I just got to interrupt you right there. Yeah, go for it. Take it. Uh, was a little shocked when that scene came up, you know. Um, Joey uh miyashima the actor yeah. um don't don't know his work right not super familiar with him but uh kind of felt like they told him to play up kind of a stereotypical asian accent oh, i mean really weird really yeah. really weird choice you know and i don't know i mean obviously hindsight is 2020 and well we're in 2021 and you know people are, are much more socially aware but just seems strange to write a character like that. I mean, I like the representation, you know, of uh, Asian Americans, but oof, that accent that uh, definitely falls in the category of age the worst, I would say. 100%. Yeah, this is, it just sticks out. Like, it's amazing how this just jumps off the screen in a negative way. You know, and I know so much has changed, you know, and, and at the time as a kid, I probably even think anything of it. Maybe I even laughed. Who knows? But it has not aged well. And it's funny because that actor, Joey Miyashima, has been in a lot of Disney Channel original movies. He was the coach in Double Teamed, which we covered on the podcast. He was in Right on Track. and He played the principal in High School Musical. And he obviously does not have that accent in any of those movies. So this was clearly a choice on the part of the director here to really play this up. And, you know, I think they made, you know, they wanted that comedic moment where the milkman's even commenting on Gunther's English saying that you don't speak English well, when, when he obviously has, has this really played up accent, but it just fell flat and did not work. Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, as a kid, I probably wouldn't have thought about it, you know, just, Oh, it's just a guy, whatever, you know, but yeah, today, Interesting. It, we might be answering some of those questions on, you know, maybe why the writer Didn't hasn't had, I mean, yeah. maybe not the writer's fault. Like I said, it could be the a directorial choice. Um, but I'm glad, despite the offensive nature of this role, he stuck with it and he had a fruitful career with the Disney Channel. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, what else do I have? Um, the lava lamp in Gunther's room. I definitely owned a lava lamp as a kid. I got really big into lights, actually. I had that. I don't know if you remember that ball that had like the electricity shooting. Like if you put your finger on it, like it'll track to your finger. I had oh, one yeah. of those. I had everything. The like a <laughs> like a police cop light. I don't know. I got big into lights, but the lava lamp was definitely a staple. I used to go to Spencer's gifts. I, I, I was the back to say, of Spencer's. They had all the lights. Loved it. 
sounds like you you are a frequent patron <laughs> of Spencer's gifts, having all the you know yes, like the Tesla coil looking light yep, and yep, uh, yep. Black, black lights. Oh, uh, the black lights, yeah, yeah, police sirens. Um, yeah, it's you know the, the, there's there's a common theme here when we're talking about things that might not necessarily hold up, and it's it's kind of the material physical goods, right? Everything today is digital. You know, it's yeah. your phones, your apps, social media. And, you know, we're talking about lava lamps. We're talking about newspapers. We're talking about potentially bicycles. I don't know. The kid's still riding bikes. Maybe. Who knows? And, uh, yes, yeah, something is lost some, some, or will soon be lost, which is a shame. Spencer's gifts, man. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if they're still in business, but uh, quick, quick tangent. But I didn't know that that was kind of a low-key sex shop. Uh, oh, so I, so did I was not just know that. in I was just in Austin visiting my girlfriend's family, and we went to a, just a local mall, and I saw Spencer's gifts, and I was like, "Oh my god, my childhood! I gotta, I gotta check it out. See what there's still still the lights." And I have to say, their collection of lights has gone down dramatically, but their collection of adult paraphernalia has increased exponentially. So uh, you know, I know that was obviously there as a kid in the lingerie that's there, and. It's a very interesting store, Spencer's Gifts. If you haven't been in a while, check it out. Like you got, of course, like the pop culture T-shirts and all that, but go to the back of the store, and it's a whole new world back there. Yeah, I, I, I do remember as a kid, a little bit of the adult products, you know. But as a kid, you know, I, I, I kind of knew it was weird, but I just thought all the colors and lights were yeah, just amazing. Was so dark in there, yeah. I didn't really think of the whole context of you know drugs and uh kind of uh hallucinogens or whatever you know but yeah, you, you see things through a very different lens as you get older I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are still some spencer's gifts locations still open around the country that's uh kind of heartwarming for me that's, oh yeah uh, oh yeah gives me hope <laughs> gives me hope uh i just want to you know I guess a couple other quick things, which is just the portrayal of some of the characters, like the bullies, you know, I don't have necessarily any problem with the bullies per se, but I just think it's such a one dimensional portrayal of bullies, which was so common in the nineties, but today, you know, they really make the bullies more empathetic, I think in, in TV shows and movies, and you get their whole backstory of you know, maybe why they, why they are this way, maybe their family story. Like it's never this just flat. It's more nuanced, I would say. And, you know, I don't know if we see this today so much, but I just want to get your take on, you know, sort of that one dimensional nature of bullies from the 90s. Well, I mean, they're, they're really hitting a lot of classic 90s bully tropes. You know, the, oh, are you hitting on my girlfriend, Gunther, which yeah. was not his girlfriend. Not his girlfriend. Not, not at all, which, you know, n nice twist there at least. But the ponytail, the flannel shirts, you know, and just, yeah, pretty violent. You know, there's, violent. A, there's a scene where he's, uh, slamming Gunther's head into a pinball machine, right? Oh, yeah. And and this kind of comes back to why the punch at the end is so gratifying is no redeeming qualities of these characters, right? You None. know, None. Uh, they've they've got the car, you know, they've got the power. Gunther's afraid of them, but uh, I don't know. It's it is a little one note. It is a little one sided. Uh, not a lot of complexity to the character, but sometimes especially for kids simplicity works you know and yeah i don't really want to feel anything for them other than <laughs> hatred because when that punch comes at the end when they dump that bucket of goose poop there's actually 
another great moment where you know the the, the bullies realize that uh you know the, the gas was like siphoned from their car or whatever they, they can't use their car in the paper route so they you know do it the old-fashioned way with bikes and you know the two henchmen bullies you know the sidekicks or whatever you know they, they've been kind of taken out and the main bully shows up and he's like what's with you guys like come on these are just kids and this one of the kids is like a drive-by throw something right in his face and i was like yeah. oh fuck, yeah. that was great too like <laughs> yeah. fucking yeah. nailed him like that was a great moment too so yeah i'm okay but you wouldn't with- want the uh you know the 20 minutes of unedited content that 20 minute scene was the uh sewing chad getting beat up by his dad when yeah, he gets like, home. like you wouldn't want that that's exactly what it would be right it's always like <laughs> he comes from a worse household you know like that's why he's picking on people and you know while that might be the truth that might be the backstory i don't need it in this movie i i i don't i i like the heroes i like the villains i like the conclusion it works it works for what it is fair enough fair enough yeah no, I, I get it the, the good versus evil it's really clear in this movie um the last one i had is just the depictions of allison you know and i think as being really the only female character in this movie she doesn't have a ton to do besides just being the love interest of Gunther, you know, they don't give her a ton to say, a ton of nuance to the performance. Um, that scene at the end is pretty cringeworthy when she's in the limo with, with Gunther's brother, Andrew, and she's seducing him to get the location of Gunther at the baseball game. And she starts touching him and it's like, you know, oh, your eyes are so sexy, even though he's wearing glasses. It's just, I don't know. That scene didn't sit well with me. That's That's another, you know, I probably saw this movie, what, 15 plus years ago, you know, probably uh, 96. So what was I in 96, you know, like seven years old? So, you know, sometime between when I was seven and probably like 10 or 11, you know, I saw this movie quite a few times. I remember being very jealous of that. Yeah. That I was like, oh, I wish I was in a limo or whatever with a pretty girl going to Screaming Banshee's concert, <laughs> trying to seduce me. Now, as an adult, you know, She's she's also a teenager, so it doesn't have that full blank check vibe of the oh, kind of adult. Deal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going that far, but I, you know, na- nowadays we have a lot of, you know, uh, I don't know how you would say this, gender neutral toy stores, right? Like, you know, toys are for everyone. Legos are for everyone. This was a boys movie, right? 100%. Like back, back in the 90s, you had yes. girls movies, you had boys movies. And yeah, her, her character is basically just a, a, a prize, a trophy. You yeah. know, they don't give her a lot of depth. Like, you don't know who she is. Why does Gunther like her? No, she's pretty. She's That's a pretty it. blonde and she yeah. works at the ice cream shop. And Not her personality, not anything, not her education. It's all about her looks. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, she. We all we know is that she likes screaming banshees. That's it. Damn. And maybe ice cream. I don't know. Maybe ice cream. But I will say, you know, they, they give her a little bit, you know, when, when Gunther doesn't defend the paper route and he kind of lets down all of his friends. I don't know if you call them friends, his coworkers, let's say, yeah. uh, she, she's disappointed in him, you know? So she does have some, some morals. She, she, she's yeah. got some conviction, but it's not enough. It's definitely not enough. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they don't do justice to, to the character, unfortunately. 
You know, what you said about being a boys movie or a girls movie, I think is so resonant, especially for a lot of these Disney Channel original movies. You know, you have the the Cadet Kellys or, you know, the Xenons, you know, which were typically labeled girls movies. Then you had the boys movies, you know, more more like Brink and Johnny Tsunami and some of these others. Like, you know, I think eventually we got more to to showing the entire family or showing it from all perspectives, like a, like a smart house per se. But you know, and I think that's no more evident than the final, literally the final shot of this movie is Gunther breaking the fourth wall and turning and looking right at the camera and kind of giving like a winky nod to the audience before he kisses Allison, like of, hey, like, look at me. I, I got the girl. Like, it's just, and they play some music over. It's really, I don't know. It's almost like he's taking advantage of the situation. That's, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I, I've said all I could say about this. I mean, he, he's he's pretty exploitive. I mean, there's an earlier scene where he offers to bring his little brother to the mall and he says to his parents, well, you know, he's still got his allowance, right? <laughs> and it's another one of those like, man, you're just taking advantage. And does that moment at the end sully the whole experience? Did he learn nothing in the end? No. Is he still kind of, it makes I you mean, think. it makes you think, but you know, I know we're breaking the fourth wall in the movie, but you know, he's speaking to all those boys out there, you know? All the prepubescent boys watching this movie, like he's talking to us. Yeah, he's saying like, "You can do it too, right?" Like, yeah. if you get a, if you work really hard, you can get the girl too. Didn't come across very good though. Didn't come across in a healthy way. No, not at all. No. Um, let's move on uh, to what we were supposed to learn from this movie, the most Disney moment. And we've talked about the lessons from this movie, so I don't know if we need to to harp on this necessarily. Um, you know, obviously the value of a, of a hard day's work here and, you know, and, and sticking up for your friends and, and all the type of lessons. Um, I love that scene between Gunther and his dad, where his dad is super proud of him, you know, and, and Gunther's just never experienced this type of relationship with his father where, you know, and I think I had a, a similar, not exactly the same dynamic with my dad, but I know when I got a job working at the Jewish community center as a, as a young kid and my dad being so proud of me that I took on some responsibility and I was making money for myself and, and had a very similar conversation in the car with my dad the first day after work. And it just reminded me of that scene watching Gunther and his father. And his, his father seems like a perfectly nice man. He's always working on the house. Like whenever we see him, he's doing something on the house. Um, and even before the pool explodes, he's willing to give Gunther the money for, for the concert tickets, really, when Gunther was still being kind of an asshole. So I don't know. That, mo- that moment really sums up the movie for me. Well, you know, that's those two scenes, you know, where Gunther's kind of trying to not really scam his father, but, you know, coerce some money out yeah. of him saying, no, I'm going to do a good job and I'm going to clean the pool. Meanwhile, you, you have that nice kind of, uh, you know, dynamic of the pool's about to explode and the rising tension. Will he get the money? Will this thing <laughs> yeah. explode? Uh, you know, it, it kind of sets up that just like, oh, man, Gunther, he seems pretty irredeemable. Right. Like yeah. he just he's not doing anything right. He's really taking the easy way out. And and I think that scene is necessary for the follow-up scene where you mentioned where the dad is proud of him, right? And Gunther just I you know, that was his motivation to I think defend the paper route. You know, yeah. like you 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 took on this responsibility, you built this thing, you really are doing well with it. And uh, you know, the money wasn't enough. It was actually the the approval from his father that really made him realize like, this is something worth defending. So it's, it's, it's a great scene. So it's a great message, you know, like he, he realized that it wasn't, wasn't about his needs or his desires for the money or the tickets. It was just, 
being a good person, right. And making people yeah. proud. And, you know, that's, that stuff at the end of the day is what's going to bring you happiness. It's going to be that feeling of a job well done. It's not necessarily going to be the, the, the external the screaming yeah. banshees. It's not going to be the ice, the five daily specials at the ice cream shop. You know, it's uh, got to try be the, them all. Yeah. yeah he's got to try them all. Um, great, great message. You know, going back to that internet review you read, you know, I just, there's a lot of layers to this movie, you know, like they there's really a lot are. of, they really are. The, it's constructed well, right. Despite its other faults, uh, it has a lot of good moments that set up other moments. You know, it's it's well crafted, I would say. You know, and I can't speak to the nature of you know children's content today, but I really do think we grew up in in the golden age, you know, of of kids programming, you know, on Disney Channel, on Nickelodeon, on on whatever, and and I think this is part of that. Like, I think we really got instilled with a for as many cringeworthy moments as we've talked about. I think mostly these movies are very wholesome, and they really gave kids some really good lessons you know to take with them um let's move on to some nitpicks i didn't have that much uh you know the first one i had is the interest calculation on the tickets right so it's 150 tickets chad says you owe me 175 it's like 15 percent interest i don't know what interest rate he's using but that seemed a little high for for interest back in the 90s i don't know i mean classic bully move oh right yeah. and and it almost had a you know, loan shark vibe to it, right? Like, uh, what do yeah. they call it? like the vig? You know, he's, the that's, big. that's yes. that's the interest. So, you know, putting putting a couple points on there is, uh, you know, it's getting pretty expensive. So, I like that. You know, it's um, man, pretty like for the '90s, those are pretty expensive tickets. Very expensive, you know? yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do they go into what his, you know, hourly wages on the paper route? Do they ever actually oh. talk about what he's making? You know, they don't do a good job kind of showing the progression of time. I wonder how long it took him to pay them back. You know, yeah, don't know. But I will say, we talked about the bullies being kind of a, you know, flat thing. Uh, they did sell Gunther the ticket, which is interesting. I, like they I, could have just denied him completely. They could have said like, "Oh, screw you! I'm not. I'll go with the girl." Like, why didn't the bully yeah. take the girl? That like, I don't know. Very interesting choice. Uh, not really a plot hole. Maybe. You know, maybe it is kind of the whole loan shark thing. They know he can't pay them, so they can extort some more money out of him, out of Gunther. I don't know. What What do you think of that? I mean, that's a great point. And I was thinking about that because maybe I was just misremembering the movie when I was rewatching it. Because I was like, oh no, I thought the bully takes out Chad. You know, the bully takes out Allison, not Gunther. It just it was seemed off in the movie when I was watching. I'm like, wait, what happened here? Because you're right. Why would they sell this kid a ticket when he probably knows? Who is he taking, right? He's probably taking the girl that he's, you know, that he want that he probably wants for himself. Like it just seemed, it seemed odd, right? Because if you're Chad, I think we should have seen a scene where maybe he's asking Allison to go to the concert and she's not interested in going with him. You mm -hmm. know, like I thought that maybe was part of the movie, but it wasn't. Like it just, you're right. It very, it seemed odd. Deleted scene, maybe could be yeah. part of the 20 minutes of cut content that yeah we may or may not have seen in that YouTube video. I'm not sure. You're right after Chad's getting the belt to the back you know, from his dad, <laughs> he goes into the ice cream shop and asks Allison out. And that's what sets him off, you know, when she turns him down. I don't know. You know, we can't go back, right? That actor is old now, but it would be an interesting movie seeing it from the other perspective, like Chad's oh, yeah. whole perspective, like his life, you know, everything just goes wrong. <laughs> Father beats the shit out of him. Girls turn him down. Finally tries to make some money and these kids assault him. It's it, Kind of a, yeah. it's a tragic story. It's the 
It's a side story we'll probably never get. Yeah, he's trying to pay for his grandmother's organ transplant for all we know, you know? He's scalping the tickets, you know? He's yeah. just trying to, trying to make ends meet, you know? Maybe his family's going through some hard times. We'll never know. We'll never Unanswerable know. question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what else do I have? So Mrs. Hansen, dear old Mrs. Hansen in her house. She can't get to the front door to get the paper, so Gunther has to bring it to her. But yet she's able to make it to the baseball game. Matt, come on. Like, was she in a wheelchair getting taken to the game? How is she not able to just walk outside and grab the paper, but yet she's able to travel all the way to the baseball game? I don't get it. Well, you know, we see, you know, the elderly, they have walkers, you know, I'm sure Gunther, you know, did the whole arm in arm kind of, you know, walk with the old lady, Uh, but bending over can be very, very Mm -hmm. dangerous, right? You know, bad hips, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen those life alert commercials, one fall and that could be the end. On a hard stoop, you know, concrete, very dangerous. And, you know, it's, I don't know. I know I have nostalgia for this movie. You know, I, I know that I watched it countless times as a kid, but, uh, it was still a little heart wrenching, you know, when, when she found out that Gunther wasn't the paper boy and, you know, like, Oh, you know, this new paper boy's not putting it through my door. And I thought, Oh man, that must be sad. She's not getting her paper. She doesn't know why. You know, yeah. she's kind of forming this bond with this young boy because her husband has passed away and it's all coming to an end. I was like, oh, it's a pretty emotional movie. That that line where she says, you know, have the other paper boy come in for some cookies, you know, or something like that. That really got me. You know, yeah. that really did. Like, she just wants to have a relationship and she will never have a relationship with this, with this bully. Um, but oh, maybe, maybe I mean, the he, movie, you never know. He might go for the cookies and then, you know, steal <laughs> something from the house or... Uh-huh. Spill yeah. a drink, maybe not say he's sorry. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. We don't know. Uh, the, we don't know Chad's depravity here. You know, we don't know how bad his home life is. So it is true. It is true. Did you have any other nitpicks before we move on to uh, some best quotes? Um, nitpicks, I would say. You know, we talked about the Asian actor. Um, you know, the, or sorry, sorry, the the kind of inappropriate kind of Asian stereotypes going on. Uh, I know you mentioned that you already talked to Kylie Cochran. Uh, was this her first role? Can, can you confirm that? So this was that? her first role, yeah. Okay. I've not seen her, her other work. Um, no offense, Kylie, but it, it, it shows. Um, might she was be very the... critical of herself. She was very okay. critical of herself in this. Yeah, you know. No, you know, everyone starts somewhere, but yeah, it, it, it showed, right? Like, I'll give credit to the other kid actors. You know, you got uh, Squints from the Sandlot, oh, you know, yeah. making an appearance. Right. You, you got some veteran child actors in, in this movie. Uh, kind of a sore thumb, Kylie. Uh, not not going to lie. Yeah. It felt like I was reading the lines, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad she, to see, uh, you know, she, she's still in the industry. She's still doing it. You know, she's got that self-reflection to see, you know, she's come a long way. But exactly. uh, if, I, if I had to nitpick her performance, a little under the bar. Yeah. Yeah. She was... Very, uh, very aware of that, but she was very appreciative of, uh, of me reaching out because she watched this with, with her whole family. She has like four kids, and this was the first time they really gathered around as a family and watched this movie for the first time, and, and they loved it. You know, she said her kids absolutely loved the movie, were laughing the entire time. So I think that is evidence of anything that, that this movie does really hold up, even to the next generation. So um, let's move on to some, uh, the best quote. And you, you touched on one of them, which was just, uh, you know, the dad saying, you know, a little help son when he's moving in and Gunther saying, you know, how bad my back is <laughs> like, you know, just, just a, just a great line. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but there's a specific line. And I think, you know what I'm talking about here where, you know, Alex, big Al, before I even discuss the possibility of having you on, he, he told me, he's like, you know what? Paper Brigade. That's my brother's favorite movie. And he has one line that he absolutely loves from that movie. Do you know what that line is, Matt? Oh, I let me set it up for you. So Gunther is meeting uh, Allison for the first time. You know, he's introducing himself, acting cool. You know, he says, oh, you know, I'm, I'm Gunther Wheeler. And then a couple seconds later, here come the bullies. Allison's like, oh, this is, you know, this is Gunther. And the bullies, they just they just go off on a man. Uh, they they just him. rip into his name. And, uh, you know, there's actually a little bit. So th- the line that I remember is when, you know, they're kind of joking and they're like, oh, bro, I think I just stepped in some Gunther. <laughs> and that 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 one always cracked me up. And I would quote that to my brother all the time. I think I just stepped in some Gunther. But I didn't remember and actually liked when I watched it this time. You know, they keep joking about it. He, yeah. he says something like, oh, I think I just Gunther. And <laughs> I was like, pants. oh, dude, that's yeah. almost as good. That's yeah. also good. Like it was, oh, that's, I mean, it's not often that I hear the, the name Gunther in my everyday life. But I mean, when I, I never, do, I, I think of that. that I, I mean, other than this movie, I'd have to look up where I've yeah. heard that name. I don't know. But God, that line is timeless to me. Timeless. <laughs> I don't know why it stuck with me. But even as a kid, that one was funny. Even as an adult, it's funny. That's how you know it's a good line. It spans all generations. You know, it's it's very clever. I stepped in some Gunther because I wouldn't think of that. Like, to me, Gunther is just like a name. Sounds kind of German, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You know where it's from, but yeah, just the idea of stepping in some Gunther, some kind of disgusting material gets on your shoe. Ah, <laughs> oh, fucking great, man. I love I love that line. I imagine the writer, Denise, must have had such a fun time writing all the different things, coming up with the different ways the bullies could just destroy his name. But yeah, I love, yeah. Did you, uh, did you just Gunther in your pants, bro? I love that. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Can't believe, you know, some comedic genius here. Get, give, give her another movie. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. one more, one, just one more attempt. There's some quality lines in here. Oh. 100%. I mean, the last one I have written down is just when, uh, you know, the bullies take the paper route from Gunther and his friends. And, and Chad says, if you go running to the papers about this, you'll make headline news in the obituaries. Oh, just a, man. Just a great line. Great line. It's, uh, you know, classic paper joke, classic yeah. newspaper joke, right? Little, and little... as a kid, I probably even know what the obituaries were when I first watched this movie, but it was still great. That's that's something that I do like about watching this old children's content is the lines that are in there for the adults who have to suffer yeah. through this stuff all day long. And uh, I think this one definitely has stuff for the adults. It has some appeal there. You know, some stuff that maybe went over my head. I didn't know what an obituary was, like you said. You know, I, I appreciate that stuff. It it makes this stuff watch rewatchable, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um I want to get into just a couple unanswerable questions here. And I think I actually touched them all. It was the Screaming Banshees one. Uh, why did Mr. Lippman, you know, even get in the car, per se? Um, any other unanswerable questions that you had going back and rewatching this? Yeah. What happened to the crazy old man? You know, we know he was in the war. We know there's some PTSD going on. Yeah. Maybe some psychosis. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what happened to him? I mean, 
I'm going to give a very dark portrayal of what I think happened to him, but I, I hope it's much lighter than this, which is, I think somebody accidentally went on his property and something bad happened, you know? And I think whether that was him causing it with a paintball, maybe they fell, maybe they stepped on the back of a rake that hit him in the back of their head and something, I think some terrible accident happened on the property. And I think right now, maybe he's in a, in a facility and had to live out his days alone, but maybe there is a more, cheerful or redeeming, you know, possible arc to his character. But I don't know, in my mind, that's where just, that's where I went was more dark. Cause I don't think any, I don't think everyone has the same experience that, that Gunther has on his property. Uh, I mean, we saw everything from rakes to geese to a, yeah, like a six foot pit, you know, yeah. how many kids yeah. fell into that dirty pit never Break came your out leg easily. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. You know, geese are an interesting choice. You know, like imagine being in the writer's room being like, all right, what, what, what can we give this old guy? Sell on geese. That's a, you know, maybe he's got like a, did they mention if he was part of the air force, maybe like a, you know, some, some, some air regiment thing going on with the geese flying V ducks, you know, Disney Ah, could, could be some. Laid the groundwork. Yeah. 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 Maybe. But you think uh, he's, you think he's doing well now? You think he's just, you know, living his life? Is Robert Englund still alive? He is. That's, that's he is still alive. He then that means alive. that Crazy Man Cooper could <laughs> feasibly, in the fictional world of the Paper Brigade, still be alive. Um, I don't know. I mean, without Paper Boys, no one's coming on his property. Everyone stays home. Social media. He's probably pretty lonely. I hope Gunther, you know, in the fictional world, would still go over and shoot the old man with paintballs or something. You know, give him give him something to live for. Uh, what if Hopefully he's not with, in a mental institute. What if we set him up with Mrs. Hansen? What do you think of that match? Did he, did he seem like a baseball guy? <laughs> you know, he's kind of an all-American though, right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, kind of a veteran might want to go to a game. Hopefully the loud popping sound of a home run wouldn't set off some of the PTSD. Yeah, I don't know. he seems like he lives in the, you know, the 50s or 60s. And I think that's, you know, Mrs. Hansen, she seems to do so as well with the baseball. So I, I don't know, maybe it is a good match. See, that's something that I think could have been set up. But in the end, Gunther, you know, he 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 goes to the baseball game. So yeah, it doesn't look like that was kind of uh, in the cards, but potential. She seemed a little, little bit old, though, maybe yeah. even too old for Christian Cooper. That is true. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to some uh, Apex Mountain. When was this person at the peak of their career? And let's start with the director, Blair True, who I've been trying to get him on the podcast for, for a long time now. No success, maybe one day. Uh, but let's uh, let's quickly go through his IMDb a little bit. And he really has directed a lot of my favorites. Wish Upon a Star, which I don't know if you remember Wish Upon a Star. Catherine Heigl, Sisters, Switching Bodies after Wishing, of course, Upon a Star. Is this one of your uh, one of your favorites, Matt? All-time favorites. Yeah. All-time. And, and- yeah. Correct me. Is is that the first Disney Channel original movie, or or the one right before they did Disney Channel original movies? You know, Under Wraps was the first. Was one. the first official? Okay, first official one in '99. I'm not sure if this was the last one as part of that wonderful world of Disney before Under Wraps. I'm not sure, but yeah, this is just an all time classic movie. Well, I don't know anything else this director did, but that would have to be the peak. Ooh. I, I I mean. Ooh. I know this is the Paper Brigade podcast. This is not yeah. the Wish Upon a Star, but I had a huge crush on the girls in that movie. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know. 
preteen boy. You know, we, we talked about boys movies and girls movies, but I watched all the movies, right? But oh, that movie was. Let's just say it was skirting the edge of appropriateness for 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 young boys. You know, there's some scenes in there that are a little little spicy. Really? And really? Uh, I haven't watched it in a long time. So you ha- have know. you not done the Wish Upon a Star podcast? But, you know, you say this is one of your favorites. I think we're going to have to have you back. For Wish you, have Upon to, a Star. Um, you have to have me back. L- let me just say there's a scene in the cafeteria. Uh, a strip a strip did you watch scene. this yesterday did you watch I did, this yesterday I, you know it's funny you know I, for the podcast i did rewatch the paper brigade and, and it's good that i did because there's definitely details i missed out on but i've seen many of these movies i'm, I'm i mean some of them probably a dozen or more times so you know yeah. wish upon a star that's up there um man if you get any of those actresses on the podcast that's a that's a big win Oh, yeah. But uh, that's that's a story for another time, I guess. Um, we'll save let, it. Let, let me just say, if you pod. haven't seen it, go check it out. It is unfortunately, I already know this, not on Disney Plus. I think I rented it on Amazon actually a couple of years ago to rewatch it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is there dedication you know. right there. That is dedication. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on for that one. Some of the others he's directed: Phantom of the Megaplex, one of my favorite Disney Channel original movies, especially as a fan of cinema myself and a fan of going to the movies. This one really just captured that sense of awe of going to the movie and another really underrated movie, which I'm curious if you remember, which is a movie just like dad, which I didn't even remember until I read the synopsis of this movie, but it's of course what this it's Wallace Shawn is in it. And of course it's young boy who his father is Wallace Shawn and he's embarrassed to have a dad like this, this geeky guy he's not very outdoors and he recruits Nick Cassavetes, who is playing this bodybuilder who he finds in the park and convinces him to pretend to be his dad for like a field day type of competition with other kids and their dads. So essentially, you know, it's, of course, it's a great movie about this kid coming to terms with, you know, loving the dad that you have and not the one that, you know, you want necessarily. But I forgot the title of this movie until I read this synopsis, and I love this movie as a kid. So this is being added to the list of movies we need to cover. Does this ring a bell at all to you? You know, off the top of my head, no. But I, I just looked up some pictures of it, and I'm thinking, I, I've actually seen this before. And it wasn't until I saw, um, you know, Wallace Shawn's face, and I was like, oh wait, I think I do know what this movie is. I can't, I can't guarantee if, if, if I've seen it more than once, maybe once, maybe just parts of it, but. Um, yeah, I'm not. I don't have a great memory of this one. Just like Dad, was it a Disney movie, or I just think a? It was. I think it was. It, it, may have, it may have not. You know, that's a good question. I think it was, but it was funny because some movies, and it's like this way with songs. Sometimes you just remember parts of it, but you don't know the title. You don't know who did it. Like, and this was just one of those. When I was going through this guy's IMDb, I was like, "Wait, this is." I watched this movie a ton as a kid. One of my favorites. So, you know, I think. Based on what you've told me already, it seems like Wish Upon a Star is is what you consider the apex of of director Blair True's career. I'm going to say it is. I'm going to say it's the Peer Brigade, quite honestly. But I think there's a lot of debate with this one. I think you could go with Phantom of the Megaplex here. You know, I think you could go with a lot of his movies. I mean, uh, I'm looking through now. I'm looking through some of these, and you know, he's done some Power Rangers work too, right? Wish Upon a Star. Well, first of all, the fact that he did Paper Brigade and Wish Upon a Star in the same year, or at least they released in the same year, but, you know, yeah. 
we're talking about back-to-back hits here. You know, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, a chance to make it big. You know, get get some big. I mean, Power Rangers was one of the biggest franchises of of the oh, '90s. Yeah. So, you know, this this really laid the groundwork for some uh, big opportunities. But I'm gonna have to go with Wish Upon a Star. I wow. mean, that that is wow. that's that's a movie. <laughs> Let me just say that's a movie. Uh, let's move on to uh, Kyle Howard, who, of course, is plays the main character, Gunther Wheeler, in this movie. He never quite had the, the career I think many may have thought he would have. You know, it's really just been guest spots on House and ER and Burn Notice. Like, I think it's very clear that this was his apex. Um, I don't know if we need to say any more. You know, I don't know if you're looking it up now and, and seeing what his, what his apex was, but this seems to be it. it it's always fun for me to go back to some of these kid movies and look up the actors, you yeah. know, because for every Shia LaBeouf, there's 300. Oh, that never made it. Uh, well, I don't know. What's his name? Squints, who I, yeah. I looked him up earlier. Yeah. He hadn't done too much. He was a he's a former child actor. Um, yeah. And sometimes I'm, I'm very surprised. I'm like, oh, that's this person. They've done like all this stuff. I've probably seen them 100 times. But as an adult, you know, they look different. But uh Kyle Howard, yeah. Uh, you know, other than baby geniuses, I haven't really heard of some of his other some of his other work. You know, I haven't really seen any of the other movies. Uh, you know, decent amount of TV shows, right? Which, you know, I think that's cool. I think that the fact that he's still doing stuff even in 2020, now and then, you know, he does like one to two things a year. I respect that. You know, he's still in the yeah. game. Exactly. And you know, I think it's unfair because we have a lot of actors and actresses that come on the podcast that it was their choice. They didn't want to be actors anymore. So it's really, you know, it's tough at that age. Obviously we talk a lot about on this podcast to be a child actor, you know, and then aging into more adult roles. Um, but what you said about, it's funny, like looking at people or looking at their IMDb, I was watching this new show on Paramount plus mayor of Kingstown with Jeremy Renner. And one of the actors in that show, I was like, where do I know him from? And it's Taylor Hanley. Who's the, who's the name of the actor. And, and he was the main guy in Phantom of the Megaplex. I was like, Oh, wow. Taylor Hanley, what what happened to him? I guess he's he's still working. So it's always it's always fun to see people like that. Or um, who else? I was just seeing somebody in Shrink Next Door, which is the new Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd show on Apple, and there was an actress from Brink on that. So it's just these people pop up all sorts of places. It's always uh, a delightful surprise because often I don't look at the actor and say, "Oh, that's the person from The Sandlot." But I'll I'll look someone up randomly, and when you go to the IMDb, you see like the thumbnail of the, you know, their yeah. most famous work. Most Whenever famous, I see yeah. like a kid's movie, I'm like, oh my god, that's that person. Those yeah. are great moments. I live oh, yeah. for those moments. 100. Uh, let's move on to Robert Englund, who I think this is an easy one, you know. But this guy is not just Freddy Krueger. This guy is a career actor, literally like over 200 credits to his name over film and TV. Uh, he was in the 1976 version of A Star is Born. He's going to be in the new season of Stranger Things, I just found out. So he, this guy is still working at like 70-something years old. Um, of course, I think his apex is Freddy Krueger. I don't think there's any debate about that. But just a great way to highlight one of the star actors of a generation. I mean, he's been in everything. Everything. I mean, he's kind of like, uh, you know, a Nicolas Cage or, yeah. you know, I mean, Maybe not exactly the same, but he does voice acting, you know, for cartoons. He, he does uh, movies. You can't have a role, though, like Freddy Krueger 
and, you know, really go up from there. I mean, that's yeah. iconic. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a movie that they're still remaking, you know, in the last 10 years, right? Like that's a oh, yeah. franchise, a horror franchise that's probably going to be around for probably, probably for the rest of my life. You know, they're going to try to keep bringing it back, bringing it back kind of like Halloween. So, you know, definitely no shame in that being your apex. I mean, that's a colossal franchise. So good job, Robert England. You know, he's not it's super cool. He's not, that he did a movie like this. You know, I wonder if yeah. I, if I, if I spoke to him, like, would he have a special place in his heart for this movie? Would he remember this movie? Like, I'm curious, like, it seems like he just wanted to have fun. That's, you know, I, you know, with my job, you know, I, I've done my job for 10 years and uh, I, I often wonder like, am I going to forget something I did or something I worked on? You know, am I going to remember everything I've ever done? And, and I wonder for some of these actors, like, do they, you know, when we watch a movie, we imagine like, oh, you know, it's a one and a half, two hour movie could have taken X number of weeks to film, but for a role like his, he might've only been on set. Like what? A couple, couple of days. days, maybe. Yeah. Do those few days in his life stand out? Like, does he remember that? Can you remember all your acting roles? I mean, if you're like a, what's his name? Daniel Day-Lewis, who only does like X number of films. I'm sure when you're a method actor, you really get into the role. You remember everything. We're doing like guest spots or just like very short performances. It's funny that you mentioned this because we had on Rob Paulson, legendary voice actor, legendary, pinky in the brain. He's, he's done everything. Jimmy Neutron, played Carl, everything. And I played a game with him where I literally did a, True or false? Were you in this show? Were you in this movie? <laughs> and he got like most of them wrong. Oh, like wow. it was funny. Like he didn't remember being in certain things or doing voice work on certain animated shows. Like, and I just, it was just to point, you know, to prove a point of how could you remember when you've been in 200 plus things? Like it's impossible. I mean, I would like to think that the paper brigade was a movie, right? So it's, it's, it's film, you know, maybe it's, you know, holds a place in his heart, maybe more than a guest spot in an episode or, you know, like yeah. a couple second cameo role somewhere. But uh, yeah, it's, I, there's such a mystique and appeal to acting in Hollywood. And, but I'm sure for them, it's just like a day at work, you know, it's just going in, clocking in, clocking out. Interesting. Very interesting. Because yeah. I would imagine if I'm in a movie, I would never forget that experience. You would think, yeah. right? You would think, but it becomes just routine. It just becomes another, you know, another job, right? Like, I don't know. Let's move on to Kylie Cochran coming on the podcast. Very, very excited that I had the opportunity to speak with her. It plays Allison Robbins. This is definitely her apex. Um, you know, she's like, you know, like Kyle Howard, a lot of guest spots on certain shows, but really this was her first role. And this was probably her biggest role of her career. Um, no shame in that. It's a great role, great movie. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, like many people, like many child actors, didn't have quite the career I think a lot of people thought. Well, you know, I'm looking at her, I'm looking at her IMDb and The Crow, right? Big movie. Uh, you know, The Crow Salvation, I'm, I'm guessing that's the second one. I'm not familiar the with The Crow one? franchise, to be honest, but I imagine it's probably a sequel. Well, because, you know, in The Crow, uh, Bruce Lee's son got killed during oh, the that's filming. that's famous one. Oh, Very wow. Alec Baldwin-ish kind yeah. of event going on. So hopefully she wasn't there for that scene or that moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming she wasn't. I, don't, I think Crow Salvation, I think, is a prequel or sequel or something. 
but uh, she was in Beetleborgs. Are you familiar with that show? I am not. Beetleborgs in the 90s was, um, you know, after the success of Power Rangers, everyone wanted to get in on transforming robot action squads. And so she was not, I'm assuming, a main character, but she had a guest role in Beetleborgs, which is a show okay. I remember. Kind of weird. I don't recommend it. Not a great show. Uh, Seventh Heaven, though, that was oh, a big show. Classic, yeah. I mean, she's um, had guest spots, but, you know, this is a, you know, a huge I, I, Disney I, movie. I'm curious, though, because it's, you could say as far as, far as the, the scope and the scale of this, yeah, it could be the apex, but um, I guess just because of her performance, I'd like to think that in her she mind, yeah, yeah, maybe she's more proud of some other performances, you know, maybe she thinks her peak, I guess it, how do you define the apex? Like, is it their, their, their ability, their skill, like their magnum opus, or is yeah. it kind of their most popular thing? You it's know, maybe the, the best could be yet to come. We don't know. She sure. hasn't had a role since 2013, but she's not dead yet. No, she's not. She's not. If, oh. if they did a remake, she could, you know, be the, uh, what was the old lady's name? <laughs> Mrs. Hanson. Mrs. Hanson. She could be a future Mrs. Hanson. She maybe owns the ice cream shop now. Who knows? Possible. Possible. Uh, the last one I had is just uh, Chauncey Leopardi, who we talked about on the Sandlot podcast. Of course, plays Squints, uh, plays Charlie Parker in this movie. He was in Casper. He was in The Big Green, Freaks and Geeks, um, a bunch of things. He's always going to be Squints from the Sandlot. I think it's hands down his apex, and he's still living off of probably all the hype and all the junkets and different conferences throughout the country that he goes to and signs autographs as squint. So I think that's hands down his apex. Yeah. Nothing to really question there. I mean, that movie is it's big. I mean, it's yeah, not paper brigade big. It's way bigger than paper. Brigade. Way you bigger. know, like that's, way that's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a character. You're not going to forget squints. So oh, yeah, definitely the apex. Uh, let's move on to one of our newer categories here at the real lunchables, which is what one piece of memorabilia, would you most want to take with you from this movie? And I'm going to throw out just, you know, two. Hold, hold, oh, hold go on. Ahead. Before go you ahead. do, I, I just want to see. I'm curious to see if we have the same one. Because to me, this is very, this is very obvious. Really? It's very obvious. Really? To me. Because I actually had to think about this question. I was like, well, what would I want? Like a geese? Like a <laughs> screaming banshee ticket? No, there's only one item in here that makes sense. You go first. Ooh. I want to hear yours. Okay, I'll be, very, I, I'll be shocked if it's not the same as mine. Really? Mm-hmm. See, I thought mine was a little obscure, but maybe it is the same one. And that is for me, the monkey drum yes, alarm that, clock. That's it. That's it. The monkey <laughs> alarm clock. That's it. That's the only one. And so, quick, quick story. And that alarm clock, it's cool. It's a monkey and whatever, but yeah. it's not the look of it. It's the sound. Oh yeah. That music that it plays. Now, I don't know if you if you recall this, but it was at a certain point at, at nighttime that some of these more obscure Disney Channel movies, Disney Channel, I guess not really original movies, but movies on Disney Channel would come up 12, 1, 2 in the morning. They'd start playing these lesser known movies. And I would often fall asleep with the TV on. But this alarm was so loud that I remember I would have dreams in my sleep of just oh that music because it's like the that little jingle that the alarm yeah. clock plays, and it would like haunt my dreams. I mean, not haunt in like a bad way, but yeah, it, it stood out. So like, it's kind of seared into my brain 
that yeah. that sound. And when I watched the movie yesterday, I was like, oh, I I have to find that thing on eBay. I, I don't know if they, you know, dubbed in some sound or whatever, if that's actually the sound from the alarm clock. But yeah, that's it. That's all I would want. I mean, it's tough. Like, I, you're right. Now that you've mentioned that, I'm trying to think what else. The other, the only thing I had written down other than that was like some of the wardrobe, like the tie dye shirt, maybe um, the glasses that those kind of iconic glasses that that Gunther and his brother wear. Um, I'm trying to think what else. What else is in contention here? I mean, I. So when I first read the question, I'm like, what is it like the, the pogo stick? Maybe you know, like the, you could you could say the treehouse is an object, oh. I guess. But my mind was like, oh no, it's it's the alarm clock. That's that's the thing that stands out to me. Um, yeah, th- there's you know bicycles and whatever generic stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. The sword or the mm. the saber. Yeah, I don't know if that's what it was that uh, crazy Cooper kind of gets stuck in the netting above him during the final scene. Um, no, you said you had you had more than one though. Is, well, I had that in the tie dye shirt, you know, so shirt. I didn't have I didn't have a ton written down here. Um, let's move on to who won the movie. And I'll turn it over to you, Matt, in your opinion, who won the paper brigade? I mean, it's a lot of there's a lot of winners here. A lot of winners. I mean, you could say almost everyone won minus Chad and the bullies. Who's yeah. the biggest winner? Could go with Andrew. At the end, um, could go with uh, Andrew. crazy old man Cooper. You know, gets to live out one last battle, one last war. But you know who I think the real winner is? It's the father. Ah, right? the father yeah. is kind of the winner. Like yes. he, I feel like he gets the biggest reward. You know, his son finally lives up to expectations. He doesn't have to nag him all the time about cleaning out the pool. Hopefully, we're not sure. Um, but you know, he's he's a kind of i don't know he's got a bigger role than the mother he's kind of a tertiary character he's not even you know he's not even as big as you know the the bullies or the allison but i think uh i think he's the big winner in all this yeah i mean that's a great answer but you're right you could go with a lot of people i think gunther's the obvious choice right but mrs hansen finally gets to go back to the ballpark like huge win for her you know, with a lot of options. You know, the one person I'm sad that we didn't even bring up his name for the entire movie. You know who I'm talking about with this one person? Fish. Who, fish. Talking about fish? Yeah. I'm talking about fish. We haven't Nothing... said his word name once, but this guy steals every scene he's in in this movie. Nothing but losses, though. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's true. Can never I mean, break the record. It's 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 funny. Uh, you know, there's a scene where he's doing the pogo sticks and yeah. the other kid, I don't know, his shoes were tied together. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know why he tripped. But there's that shot where he sticks his arm out to stop the the water jug from yeah. rolling into the pogo stick, and uh, such tension, you know. Yeah. I love that they chose to include that shot of him trying to stop it and miss it. You know, it's like uh, it's like he was he was trying to help, you know, but he just he was just too clumsy. It's what a horrible, <laughs> useless man. And, and they really set it up that he's like this loser, right? Yeah. Gunther on the first day of the paper route, he comes in. And he's exhausted. It's like five in the morning, but he's on time. And this kid, what was the other kid's name? Do you remember? I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name either. But he comes in and squints, looks at him. He's like, late again, you piece of shit. Why (laughs) You got to take this seriously. Like, why are you such garbage? And that kid, he's just 
he's just fucking up over and over. He's ruining the pogo stick. Just can't get anything right. And yeah. poor fish, but also oh. that kid, whatever that kid's name was. Yeah, he was not having a good time. No, but yeah, I love, we, didn't, we didn't mention his name, but we can't do a Paper Gate podcast and not mention Fish or Henry, for that matter, who doesn't say anything until the very end. Great, great roles by the rest of the kids in the gang, even though we don't get a lot of them in the movie. Henry, you know, I'm trying to think of you know, what, what were they going for with this movie, right? Because with The Sandlot, it is about the ensemble cast, right? It's yeah. these kids, these friends. And I feel like there was a little bit of, they didn't know which way they wanted to go. Gunther is clearly the main actor. He's clearly the star. And they introduced a lot of these other kids. And I don't know, like, they don't were they all necessary? Like the yeah. kid who doesn't say anything till the very end. Like, is that really a payoff? Did you care about him? Yeah, you know, it's funny. And, I couldn't even, I was trying to listen to his insult at the end that he gives to the bullies. And I couldn't even quite understand what he was yeah. saying. Yeah. It's like, eh, whatever. That's fine. But Fish classic classic character with the bubble gum you know got the world records uh memorized we should have we should have dug through his imdb yeah. where's he i don't know i don't even I mean, see I don't him about you but i own here. those books those guinness book of world records i used to have them i came out like every year like i used to it used to be a fun thing with me and my friends just go around and read funny facts out like that was part of the 90s like breaking records like seeing if you could do shit like that was just part of it and yeah, Fish, great character. Uh, last category, could this be remade as a movie for adults? Would you want to see a prequel, a sequel? Would you want to see a series on Disney Plus? Would you want something more from the Paper Gate universe? Or you think it's leave it alone? You know, I, I think they tied a nice little knot at the end. You know, Gunther matured. You know, he, he learned a hard day's work. Uh, you know, he's selfless. He, Let's his brother go on the date to the concert. He takes uh, old lady Hanson or whatever out to the ball game. Uh, he gets the girl. There isn't really much left to say. And unfortunately, as you touched on, papers just aren't that relevant anymore. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're looking at the current state of uh, TV and, you know, you got the Mighty Duck show and honestly, could have done without it. You know, I don't know if it was necessary. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, is this universe worth exploring? You know, um, but to me, there isn't really any world building outside of these core characters, right? Like with the Mighty Ducks, you have the franchise, right? Like the Mighty Ducks could exist with different kids, yeah. you know, and, and they do in the different movies, they bring in different kids. And so you can keep that going. Could you do another paper brigade with different kids? Ah, you could. I mean, you could talk about the struggles of the paper route industry with the rise of digital media. Could be a little cynical, a little depressing. Yeah. You know, the you know, you 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 could do a twist on this movie that kind of helps kids learn the value of going outside, riding bikes, like, you know. Putting this down this, the device. this, this yeah. movie could be remade today where Gunther's walking out and the guitar riff is playing and he's just on his phone. And his dad's like, hey, did you lock the U-Haul? And he's like, oh, fuck off, dad. I'm on, I'm on the iPhone, right? Yeah. And so you could tell this kind of story, move a kid out to the Midwest where they still have newspapers and 
he meets some like loser kids who still ride their bikes and you could tell this story and it could be could. a throwback to the nineties, right? We're getting a lot of eighties throwbacks right now. So, you know, at first I thought maybe not, but maybe it's the movie we need. Mm. Maybe this is what kids need to see. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's possible. I think, I think this could be our next screenplay. Ah, yeah. The big I think pitch. we need to call Denise. If Denise is still alive, I think we maybe write something with Denise because I, I like her tone of this movie and the way she writes the dialogue here. But maybe just, you know, bolster it and bring it to today. You know, we may have something here. Pitch it to, to Disney. But I, I kind mean, of agree. I think you can make this today. I think, you know, it's really hard to do stuff today where you don't modernize it and reference that, you know, we have phones and we have the internet and we have information at our fingertips, right? Like you couldn't, unless you made the movie and it still took place in the nineties, which I guess you could do, but at that point, why this already exists. So I think if you used it as a message for kids today and you modernized it, it could work. It could work. And Robert Englund is still alive. Yeah. So I'm saying there is time. It could be on the same street. You know, different kid moves in. The geese are still there. Maybe mm. new geese, maybe different geese actors. I don't know. Yeah. I'm assuming they're not still alive, but yeah, why not? Disney, call me up. <laughs> uh, got great ideas. Paper Brigade 2. Uh, get, get some nice cameos in there. Oh, like, yeah. like you said, owning the ice cream shop, Allison. Maybe she never left this small town. I imagine her and Gunther didn't stay together. So no way. He probably, no way. He, you know, and I also get from the smile at the end this is why I didn't choose Gunther as a winner. Because I think deep down. He hasn't learned still, his lesson. I I think he I think he learned some lesson, but I think he's still gonna try to take the easy way out. You know, he's still gonna try to wiggle around a little bit. Um, so I, I, I think he left her. I yeah. think he was a he was a piece of shit and he's gone. And that's fine. You know what? You don't need him in the cameo. You don't need him in the, in the sequel movie. But Fish. We need Fish. Do. We need Definitely fish. need Fish. And, you know, he's only got one, two, three, four, you know, five, five credits as an actor. Hasn't acted since 2004. Assuming, Fish, that you're alive, it's time to come back. All right? This is it. Get the gang this... back together. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, what about like an almost famous type of movie with the Screaming Banshees? Maybe we get a young kid that goes on tour with the Banshees towards the later end of their uh, to their run. What do you think? Well, I, I mean. I think you could tell a lot of stories like we talked about from Chad's point of view, yeah. right? From Mr. Cooper's history, you know, maybe we get like Christopher Nolan to come in Oof. and do like a big war movie yeah. you know, about crazy old man Cooper. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But, flashbacks. Yeah. Screaming Banshees. I mean, like you said, that's an unanswered question. Like, who are who is this band? It's, it's a name that sounds like it could be real. It could yeah. do a whole thing with them. You know, I I've wondered. I mean, you might know more about this than me, but is are any of the Disney Channel original movies part of a shared universe? You know, they're they're all, they're all very different movies, right? Obviously, you got Halloween Town, you got you know Xenon. Very hard to say that they're part of the same universe. But I've always kind of wondered, like, are there hints at other movies within movies? Like, do they ever mm -hmm. 
make spinoffs? Have there been spinoffs based on Disney Channel original movies where they tell smaller stories? I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything other than direct sequels like Xenon. You know, that's but a I, great like, like, like you have got a That's So Raven, then you got, you know, uh, Corey, Corey in the house. Yeah. Right, right. So, like, they do that, but I'm just wondering if any of the movies had side story spinoffs. You know, the, the ones that come to mind, it's not even Disney, but the first one that came to my mind was when they did the crossovers of Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron. Like, those were very mm-hmm. famous when mm-hmm. they entered each other's universes and the animation would change. Um, but in terms of Disney, I know this is also on the animated side, but I think Lilo and Stitch, there was definitely a crossover with that show. Um, I know we're doing some live research now on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was, oh, it was with uh, American Dragon Jake Long. I don't know if you remember that animated show mm-hmm. that they did. And same with, I think, The Proud Family um, and Kim Possible. Yeah, there was a crossover between Lilo and Stitch and Kim Possible. Um, it looks like there was something with, let's see, is it Hannah Montana? Like, I think Disney has done this, but I'm trying to think from the movies so whether they've done this. Quickly, I looked this up, and, and they call it the Disney Channel Live Action Universe. So there it's, you know, it's like the Marvel's MCU, uh, but it does look like this shared universe came after a lot of the movies we watched or a lot of the nineties movies, you know, it does reference that's a Raven, Corey in the house, Raven's home, sweet yeah. life of Zach and Cody, all that, you know, Hannah Montana. So apparently all of, you know, this list of more, you know, I guess I wouldn't call them modern, but, uh, there's a fairly long list here that there is a shared universe, but unfortunately it doesn't include paper brigade or Halloween town or motocrossed. Motocrossed. Classic. I wanted to mention earlier, you know, motocross was a great, you know, breaking the gender barrier uh, really type was. movie going on. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, I guess, I guess we could do the paper brigade cinematic universe. You know, we can create a new one yeah. if it doesn't relate to anything else. And, you know, squints isn't squints in this movie he's a, he's a different character so unfortunately yeah scream banshees you you could do it that is the, the thing is that you don't even you don't see them in the movie you don't even see don't. the concert right no. so there's really not very even a little, poster not even a poster. Not, not even a poster not even a he's in the car listening to us like one song you know like they produce nothing. a song for the movie nothing so nothing. it's a little hard to go off of that but it is a cool name. Great See, name. I was thinking like maybe in Halloween Town there was like a cameo, like oh, there's Screaming Banshees band in that movie, you know, something Someone like that. Like, a Screaming Banshees T-shirt, you know, yeah, like a, just like an Easter egg, you know, like yeah. there's got to be Easter eggs of stuff. Maybe I haven't noticed. Maybe I have to go back and watch every movie now, <laughs> every Disney Channel movie. I don't know. Well, I'll leave it here, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on the Relunchables. I end each episode of the podcast asking my guest. Did this movie live up to how you remembered it as a kid? Yes, 100%. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it was better than I remember, but it, it, it still was, it was watchable. I'll say that. It doesn't Very sound watchable. like a, it does not sound like a great review. You know, that sounds like a bare minimum, but there aren't many movies I take the time to watch more than once. You know, and Disney Channel original movies 
are on the list of movies I watch more than once. And uh, this one's not technically a Disney Channel original movie, but it's still, it's still, still rewatchable. Still has that DNA. Yeah, it still yeah, has that rewatchable yeah. DNA. You could easily assume this was a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah. Maybe Robert Englund, you know, has a little bit higher paycheck. Maybe, maybe the production value is actually a little bit higher than a Disney Channel original movie, to be honest. I don't know. Was this movie out in theaters? I have no idea. But no, it was not. It was, oh, oh well. But it, it's, it's good. You should watch it. It's not on Disney+. Plus. It's not on, on YouTube. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the YouTube video had comments disabled. I don't know why. I would have liked to converse with some of the Paper Brigade fandom out there. Yeah. I imagine a lot of them would like listening to this podcast. I think we share a lot of the uh, you know same interests on uh, these classic movies. So, and I saw it had about it was like twenty thousand views. It wasn't as much as I yep. thought. Twenty three thousand. I was a little surprised. And this this might be I don't know how to say this. Uh, sad in some ways. It's that the movie's still on YouTube. Which means nobody's taking it down. No. Which means nobody really cares. No cares. Nobody's trying to make money off this movie. Nobody's worried about the, you know, the, the rights to it. Yeah. I don't even know who has the rights currently, but um watch it while it's free, people, because it's a sleeper. And at any day they could get taken down, lost to history. Lost forever. Or it could it could yeah. appear on either HBO Max or Disney Plus. Apparently they both had rights at some point. So it's funny to think of this as an HBO movie, but yeah, you know, oh, maybe, maybe one, up on HBO. One final point. The I think one of the best parts about the YouTube video is that it contains some commercials. Yeah. Like and some like yeah, just you know, a little bit of a time capsule to 1990 whenever that person recorded this probably on a VHS tape. It's always fun to watch those. I always have a good time watching like, you know, any of those previews or upcoming movies that they have beforehand. Always great. Always great. Matt, thank you so much. We'll end it there. Thanks for coming on. I know we're going to have to have you back. Maybe you're going to replace your brother now. Who knows? Maybe he's out. You're in. Get rid of it. You know, just let, let the fans decide. Yeah. You know, fans of the relaunchables. Uh, who's your favorite? Uh, Big Al or Bigger Matt? I don't <laughs> Bigger know. Matt. Bigger Matt. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know. The Sandlot is a bigger movie. Hocus Pocus, you know, we just not get the listeners for this one. Paper Brigade's a deep cut, you know, like we said. But you know what? I like we'll let the numbers decide. Fish is going to listen to this. <laughs> he's going to Google himself or one of the five roles that he had. And he's going to be like, gosh, this is a podcast about my movie where I pogo sticked and ate a bunch of bubble gum. Uh, I'm going to fish. If you're out there, contact Jordan. Yeah. Find his email. Let's get an interview going. Yes. You're coming back, buddy. When we write the sequel, we're, we're going to remember you. Don't worry.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.